On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we record live from G2E, but unfortunately, we're all just still in separate places, so it doesn't even matter that we're all at G2E. Uh, we do a great interview with Captain Jack Andrews, who is a um, a main main a stalwart in representing the better and the better's rights, and Rufus's business partner, Unabated. And then we do our normal segments, and with that, let's start the process. Bet, bet, bet. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of the About the Process podcast, the G2E episode where me, Jeff Ma, is in Vegas, um, former member of the MIT Blackjack team, uh, Rufus Peabody, professional sports better, most feared golf better in the world, is sitting in his apartment in Las Vegas. And um, we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about what well, so you were networking today, Rufus, seven hours of networking. What does that mean to you? Seven hours. It means exhaustion. So who do you network with? Um, I had, I had some meetings with some people that I have business relationships with. Um, I, saw, I saw our good friend, Adam also, um, Adam Bjorn, I, Adam Bjorn. Yeah. And our good He's friend, coming to dinner tonight. Gorgeous. he is, I saw, yeah. um, yeah, I, it was essentially a lot of, of, you really just said I network. My networking is meeting people I do business with, like well, we, and, and then I also mentioned friends of you, mine. You did today. mention a few names, which is nice, right? Yeah, but there's Adam Bjorn, but other you know I, I'm all about members exploring. of our Calcutta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had lunch with people building Calcutta products, so that's something that really I was doing some networking for Bet the Process too. Wow, it was, it was like triple networking for unabated my personal betting operation and which is getting, getting rebranded. Um, and then bet the process. Did you, um, meet anyone that you thought would be a good guest for bet the process? Ooh, that's a good question. Yes. I think we should have the, um, the people building the Calcutta platform. What is, who are they? What's their name? I would love to meet them. Um, We'll talk about this. They should there, probably but, have yes. us endorse them because I am no, the ultimate I, in the Calcutta creator. I that's what they I thought said. about me as they were saying that. That's what I said. We need to have a, uh, we need, yeah. I don't know if I should say, I don't, I don't know if I should. They're still in them, stealth so. mode. Are they people I know? No, I don't think so. Got it. Where are they based out of? Um, Points unknown. They live in different places. Points unknown. Denver. Okay. How, how did last week go Denver. for you? Um, golf betting was, not good. Um, college football betting was great. So mm. it was a approximately break even to slightly, it was a slightly positive week. Did you do half? Um, did you, I mean, did you no guys half do half times? times? No, so it was all pre. I know you, you said you had a great week on half times, but I, I like, I had a gr- no, last I had, week, I had last a very th- basic fall day. Like I, I went, I in New York city it was fantastic. I, you know, had like, drinks sitting in a park um or a cafe at a park i watched some football i met up with some friends you know it was it was a fantastic day um 
Yeah. So, so for us, thanks for asking how we did, but uh, for us, uh, pre-games were poor and um, half times were good, but we lost a few units. Um, didn't lose as much as we won the week before. So that's, a, that always feels better. Uh, do we, should we revisit? No, I guess we'll revisit how we did on the, um, our picks the week at and during that segment. But what was your most tilted moment of the week? I know mine. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first. Well, it's actually a good segue into something I wanted to talk to you about anyways, which is this whole like fourth down math kind of thing, which is now like getting a huge amount of scrutiny. And it's all like, this is something I know that triggers you. It's all the analytics well, that drives you crazy. I, I hate it. I think people I should make decisions Triggering. based on their gut. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they refer to all of this and all of this decision-making as analytics and sort of bucket it all together. Any choice could be analy- any, any choice to go for it on fourth down or to go for a two point conversion is backed by analytics or is because of analytics. So it could, it the could tilting be, moment for me, it what? could be analyzed the tilting moment for me. And that was like, see the Jack will later talk about your unintentional comedy skills, your intentional comedy skills. Not so good. No, not good. Um, the the tilting moment for me because I had uh, a bet on the Ravens and I also had the Ravens on this as my as my pick and I had them on Tony Kornheiser's show I was three and one going into uh, Sunday night so I got the Ravens minus three when Harbaugh decided to kick that field goal to go up by six this is especially tilting for so many reasons because this is the one that we talk about often which is. When you go up by six instead of three, you actually make the other team more um, aggressive because they have to score a touchdown. And so then they often play more optimally than they would otherwise. And the um, difference between going up by 10 versus going up by you know six is is such a huge difference that I do think like that that um, you know the the your 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 belief and your ability to get that for get that fourth down needs to be pretty low for it to justify kicking the field goal there. And so again, and, and also as soon as he decides to kick the field goal there, when he has Justin Tucker, who's automatic, I basically lose almost any chance to win minus three. So that, that was the tilting moment for me. How about you? Well, but he, the week before, I think it was the week before against Buffalo. He did, right, he did the opposite. He right. Exactly. And so I, and it didn't work out. So I think, Part of it was just availability heuristic. Yeah, not 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 great, not great. Um, Recency mine, bias. Yeah, mine was probably last night. Actually, um, I think my most tilting moment was um, was actually a, a betting thing, and it wasn't a huge bet or anything. But I had I had uh, second half under twenty seven and a half or twenty seven. I forget which one, but there had been twenty three points scored when I showed up at circa. Um, for the fourth quarter and the Raiders. And I also had a bet of Raiders plus seven and a half for the second half. Spoiler alert, neither of these bets won, but the Raiders were up 10 at the half. So the Raiders had a 47 yard touchdown pass to Devonte Adams, um, which screwed my under, but then they also went for two, which screwed any chances of me getting, uh, getting the Raiders plus two and a half to cover. Because yeah. now, you know, now, now even, right. I mean, they didn't get it, um, which meant they would try to kick a game-winning field goal to win by two if they got the ball back. But I had them, my bet was them covering minus two and a half for the game. So 
that was probably yeah okay let's now welcome in let's now welcome in captain jack rufus and i now welcome in captain jack whose last name i still don't know i remember when you first were on you said just go with captain jack but i assume that now people know your last name since you're in business with rufus andrews yeah (laughs) okay that's not that's not as exciting i actually think i didn't know that uh, we're lucky to have Jack on, um, despite my, uh, obnoxiousness, he agreed to come on and we've actually made up after our Twitter spat, which like all Twitter spats is pretty silly. Um, so thanks for joining us. Um, obviously our listeners, our seven listeners, uh, would be really, uh, it'd be a shame for them not to be able to get your gambling knowledge, which, um, you've sort of done such a good job spreading amongst the sort of Twitter sphere. So give us a little bit of background and who Jack Andrews is and how he got to be sitting here today um, at G2E uh, as an integral part of a, of a new gambling startup unabated. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you, Jeff. And you know, the good thing about Twitter spats is they never come back to haunt you later. Uh, They're just, you know, you you type them into the ether and they're gone forever. So um, yeah. I have been a professional gambler, as you as you know, uh, for about 20 years, started with card counting. Uh, that's the gateway drug we all get into and slowly kept evolving as the years went on. What was next? You know, what could I get an edge at next? Somebody talks about playing this other casino game. Well, then I'm going to try to figure that out. Somebody says, oh, I'm making a bunch of money offshore betting sports. Well, then I've got to try to figure that out as well. And it's, it's, an evol- it's an evolution that's never going to end until I finally say no more. Uh, I'm done with, with advantage play. And I'm not sure I could function being done with advantage play. It's in, my, it's in my DNA at this point that I will always try to find an edge at a gambling venture. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm proud of that. I, I enjoy this is who I am and this is the life that I lead. And other people find it fascinating as well. So it's it's worked very well into how we've built Unabated and make it part of, uh, you, take, you take Rufus's ethos and his character, and then you blend in with my principles and my sometimes a little bit caustic character. And I think it's a good blend. You know, <laughs> we you should see some of our internal meetings. We, we don't always agree on things, Rufus and I, and we, you know, passively aggressively go head to head sometimes but that's what makes unabated a stronger product is that it's not just a group of people that are all visioning things that that can't be we do a lot in terms of going against each other to find what the truth is and and where the medium is that we should be evolving for for users so you you mentioned your ethos being different than rufus's and and what what is how would you define that ethos and like uh, obviously that Sort of would is uh, gives a window into what you did as an advantage player in 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 sports betting. Yeah, Rufus and I have very similar ethos in that we're all about that sports betting should be a sustainable, enjoyable, fair level field play, uh, fair uh, level playing field for all participants, and that betters need to be educated and need to make wiser choices. And I think that has helped guide us where we're going. And then the areas we disagree, and, you know, Rufus, correct me if I'm wrong. uh, I tend to, 
I tend to make enemies. <laughs> and Jeff, as you, as you know, um, and so there's a lot of operators out there that don't want anything to do with us because of something I've said or tweeted or, you know, insinuated. Whereas Rufus lives in this world of, of uh, unicorns and teddy bears and rainbows where everybody gets along magically. And uh, so, but I think that's good that we have this counterbalance to each other. Rufus, go ahead. You, you say what you need to say. Oh, no, I, I, I think you don't give yourself enough credit, first off. I mean, I, I think you call a spade a spade. And I think that sometimes needs to be done. So, yeah. give, I mean, ultimately, this is obviously a microcosm for Rufus and I's relationship too. So that that's potentially why you and I butted heads, Jack, on in that situation. But can you give me some examples of some of the areas that um, you do feel like you don't agree with the way that sports books are are doing things? Right, like um, you know, the, the obviously you know, the, I don't want you to go out and, and step on anyone's toes again in a way you feel uncomfortable with. But I mean, I think one of the things that we as a podcast pride ourselves on is trying to educate betters, similarly to how you guys do in Unabated, and also being very direct and giving direct transparent to the sports betting world, right? So, you know, the idea of um, anything that's sort of like predatory, whether it's you know, the odds on, on different bets and not being able to bet no on certain things and whatnot. Like what, what are some examples of things that you've seen so far that you consider to be like some of the most egregious things that, that the books have been doing as they've come to the U S honestly, it all comes down to overestimating what the theoretical hold of a sports betting market should be. We've all been at this a while. We know that minus minus one ten on either side is a four and a half percent theoretical hold we know that sports books will outperform that theoretical hold because the player has a limited bankroll and the sports book has an unlimited, virtually unlimited bankroll. So we know that that's going to inch up higher. Six to 8% is... Wait, can, is I, can, I ask, can I ask why that would mean that the book will exceed its theoretical hold? Well, it's, it's just the, it's, it's basic gambling math is that if, if you have a better who has only $100 to their name and they're betting all of it in one in each bet the risk of ruin is 100 they will not be able to to get enough traction to to eke out a win it, it, near 100 risk of ruin so the larger your bankroll the more the less the, the sorry the more the risk of ruin converges with the theoretical hold but when you have most sports bettors out there who are already out betting their bankroll over betting their bankroll that's going to lead to more risk of ruin, higher risk of ruin in a aggregate across many betters. Right. I agree. I don't think that'll affect theoretical hold though, because if each, if each bet has the same, I mean, I think that I think most betters are, well, the average recreational better is probably hitting 49.7% or something like that. Because I mean, I think we've shot, because there's psychological biases that still exist in the market, but I do, but if you have a bunch of essentially negative four and a half percent bets, no matter how you have it structured in expectation, you should get negative four and a half percent still. It's like the different wait, the expected bankroll growth versus the expected return. But so I was so my, go ahead. I was my, my theory on why they hold more is just more parlays, which equals more leverage. Well, that's the point that I was making is we've seen the the uh, gross gaming revenue, which is basically the actual hold keep increasing as the months go on. We're still in, we're in a process of like nine straight months where the 
actual hold has gone up across the country. And there's only one thing to explain it is that the sports books continue to create and push wagers that are like taking a customer and shaking them upside down until all the money is out of their pockets. And they're going to continue to do that because they have investors they need to answer to. And they've promised these investors 15% hold rates, which is unsustainable. And the reason it's unsustainable is because if you cause people to lose too much too fast, they get a bad taste in their mouth and they're done with sports betting. And that's what the sports book industry can't afford to have happen. They need to get these people to say, oh, sports betting is a sustainable game for me. It's an entertainment expense. It's an entertainment tax that I do. But unfortunately, they've taken in the approach of like, we need to get all the money out of these people as fast as possible. Look, that's what iCasino is going to be doing in a few years. That's, you know, it's, it's going to be this continued evolution of all online gambling in the U.S. is going to be a bad bet because these, these companies are too greedy. They're too hungry right now. And they've made this bed for themselves. They're currently laying in it and we're all currently suffering. And I'm trying to convince people, look, it doesn't have to be this way. We can have a sustainable industry where you make a ton of money and you make a ton of money from this meaty middle of aspirational betters and uh, rec plus betters and, and even some of the sharp betters. You can book all these people. Circa has proven this. You can book all these people with solid bets, with no nonsense, with no crap, and you're still going to hold two to 3%, which is what Circa is holding. And they're booking the best betters in the world. And they're telling them, you know, here, huge limits. Come on in, take your shot. Uh, some of these companies are, they're going head first into a buzzsaw with how they're just chewing up these, these betters. And I feel bad for them because they're going to hit a wall here soon. Can we it's talk? Interesting. Oh, go ahead, Rufus. I was going to say, can we talk about, when you, you said all these products that are like taking the better and shaking them upside down. I'm imagining all the change falling out of their pockets, but most people don't carry around change anymore. But are we, t- are, are, can we talk about same game parlays? Would you say those fit into that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think same game parlays are interesting. And I think the, having looked into it myself this year, I think that the way some books do it is a lot more resp- responsible, I guess a lot more. Yeah. I, I, a lot more responsible and a lot more less greedy, I guess, than others. So, well, okay. So the odds like, are very different, right? If, if you, you looked, uh, I'm going to give Caesar some credit right now. If you, if you look at how they do it, they take out the hold at the end of the parlay rather than at each leg. So you can look and you find, and so you can find like, it's, it's, it's reasonable. I mean, they still have an edge and, but they're, you know, if you have an edge on a few different, on two different legs, you can find an edge overall. Whereas like, if you go on FanDuel and I found um, on a same game parlay, two legs that I thought had edges that were uncorrelated. And if you parlay them together, it's negative EV because they're taking so much out of the uncorrelated. And I, you know, and, and so you can explore like on both sides, right? Like, let's do this with the over, let's do this with the under and see how much they're taking out. And they're taking out a ton, which I'll say this, they have more surface area to defend than Caesars does. So this is the way they, you know, they're probably are, situations where there's going to be things you can exploit there's mistakes that type of thing but so this is their way of defending against it with just a ridiculous hold so is that i mean yeah do you you think rufus do you think that possibly they're padding all this extra hold into the market because they don't have confidence in their own data science well we've seen 
we've seen the data science is sometimes flawed in some of these books. Jack, I think it's, I mean, I don't have, I wouldn't have confidence in my own data science for everything in the same game parlays that you're doing because it's just too much surface area to feasibly defend with a model. So if you're, you know, what's the correlation between this team's starting running back and their backup running back? That might vary very much depending on team, right? There's certain teams where, I don't know, if a quarterback goes over, it's more like, and they're, they're, or if, if they're trailing early, so they, um, they're more likely to throw the ball underneath to running backs versus another team, which isn't going to approach the game that way. So I, I feel like there are, I don't want to say, these aren't angles to shoot, but there are advantages to be had if you're handicapping like de- in a detailed way. Um, yeah. And if you can identify some of these exceptions to the general rule. Like the general rule is this is the correlation between quarterback and wide receiver one and, you know, that kind of thing. And so in a way they, it, it's a product that is very, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see how any model can get it perfect. That's my point. Right. So padding in an extra 25% VIG, do you think that's, is that warranted or is that taking it too far? I don't know. So Caesars, let's go back to this example. Caesars doesn't offer as many, as many things as you can part that you can parlay together. Um, actually I, I will say like, they, they do offer a good amount though, but, but I feel like they're like, we can, we feel good enough about how we can defend these, that this is what we're going to offer versus a book that's offering, you know, the kitchen sink, but they have to pad it with extra hold. Like, well, so it, here, here's what, what's can I the answer demand this question? for those. Can yeah. I answer this question from my, yes, from my point of view? So the question you're asking Jack is, is the padding, fair is that amount of padding fair and my answer to you again would be just from the standpoint i think from from those of us that have kind of come from the advantage play or this uh you know the 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 card counting way it's not fair for them to be able to create these egregious rules when there's uncertainty involved where on both sides right like so to the extent that that they're offering something, they're already padding in an advantage in something that's a very uncertain thing to do. Why do they need to pad in even in more advantage when they're offering this up to people, especially like un you know unknowledgeable people as they as they enter into this? So, it, it, like again, like it, there there is some, and I know that this is this is like not the way that the world works, but at some level. I feel like they've got to offer what is a fair game and the uncertainty is on both way on both ways, right? It's the better not having certainty on how to model this and the casino not having certainty on how to, how to price it, right? They're already building in their own edge to it. So it does seem like a bit unfair for them to just go over the top in terms of adding more padding. So, but let's say, let's say there's something that you can't adequately price and you know, you can't price it perfectly and you know, there's going to be vulnerabilities but it's something that people like betting. Are you better off not offering that or offering that and jacking up the VIG to protect yourself? Like, is, is that which one is better? That's that's the fundamental argument here, I think. Well, by, by what do you mean by better, right? Like what's, better is, for what's the, more fair? What's, what's to, to, to Jack's point, right? What's what the at, better yeah. What's the better sort of user experience or customer experience, right? Well, my point is one is clearly better for the book's bottom line and one is clearly better for which means that betters are going to lose more money, but are they getting their entertainment values worth from it? And the thing is, they are still thinking. I think these same game parlays, a lot of times you can think that it's actually a good bet. It can seem intuitively like a good bet because you can create a good story. That's what it comes Mm -hmm. down to, being able Mm -hmm. to create a good story. And that's why it exploits that sort of 
this bias we have as humans where we need an explanation, we think in narratives. Jeff and I have talked about this, you know, during our ESPN stints, people want narratives. They want, you know, and so they think, oh, if this happens, then this could happen and this would happen, right? So the prices don't seem like a ripoff to the average better, but they are, or they mostly are. So is that good or bad? And I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. So for instance, the prices are, are bad because the public doesn't know any better. And if maybe they had the ability to see what the pricing should be or what the correlation should be, that they would have a more informed opinion. But you guys hit on something else there. And that is that the U.S. better has this lottery mentality. They always have. They want to bet a little and win a lot. And same game parlay gives them the opportunity to, just as you said, craft a narrative about what will happen in the game and bet a little to win a lot. And look, that's how same game parlays were born. In Australia, there was no, no in-game betting allowed. And one of the Australian books said, well, why don't we do this where you can create a narrative of what'll happen in the game, put it all together and we'll price it out for you. And you can bet it pre-game, but it's basically an in-game bet. Whereas you, how you see the game evolving. Um, it was brilliant. And I'm surprised it actually took as long as it did to take off in the US. But now we're seeing the books are so hungry what did, what did they innovate this year about same game parlays? The ability to parlay same game parlays. So two different games, parlay them together, um, <laughs> which is, that. you know, when you, when you think about it, that's just ridiculous, but that's where we are right now. The, all the sports books in the U S are constantly chasing each other and chasing this gold ring that they feel is right within their reach, but it really, they keep pushing it further and further away by creating a less and less sustainable industry. So, so if you go back to this, I think this idea that you had of, uh, of, that we, we've talked about, and I think it's a great point, which is the amount of the rate you want someone almost to lose money at to keep them like interested, but like not picking them up upside down and shaking money out of the pockets. One of the vehicles that they're doing, right, to try to fix this is like some of these promotional things and some of these money back things. And so- is this does this end up being like almost like an accounting thing where you know the the actual money and their margins are getting reinvested in you know promotions and things like that um whereas it might just be smarter for them to offer a more sustainable long-term business that could reduce churn um, of customers and not have to worry so much about the actual like you know like would would someone have Unfortunately, I don't think people have, would have the logic to be, to you know, the recreational better to be like, oh, I, I have lost less here because the odds are more favorable. So therefore, I'm going to continue to bet here. They're still going to chase the shiny toy or the shiny promotion. Right. And I think that's, Jeff, that's more of my point as to where the industry is going a little astray is they don't really want to make the recreational better evolve. They want to keep them in this they just don't know any better. So let's go ahead and give them something that they're going to, uh, an awful bet to, to place. And we've seen some other books out there that, that don't mind if betters evolve. You know, we always, we always toss out Circa and, you know, here at G2E, you walk around and you say Circa and people just roll their eyes like, oh, this Circa, what is, who cares about Circa? Stop telling me about Circa. Well, the reason we talk about Circa is because they're doing it the right way. And if just one or two more books would do it the right way, people wouldn't be constantly walking around waving the circa flag. And I think we're close to that. I think we're at this point where there are other competitors coming in, other operators that will 
take the approach of, you know what, maybe we're not going to be circa, but at least we're not going to be this book that's constantly pushing 15 and 20% hold products at our users. I think, uh, I think we're at a pivot point in sports betting in North America. But can we, okay, first off, I have a few things to, to ask you about on there or respond to. First off, I don't think we want every book to be Circa because Circa, no. Circa is, right, I think they want betters to evolve, but I don't, but in a way their products are less evolved. They all have fewer products and they have made the decision that we can't do all these things and not, and, and do it and defend all this surface area. So we're not going to offer it. It's right. Right. No, I agree. If, if all the world was Circa, DraftKings would be king because we'd all be saying, oh, look, here's DraftKings is doing it differently. Well, because, it's the fact that Circa was so different is what made Circa so good. But the point is, I mean, we, we talked about this, like there is an entertainment value and clearly people get an entertainment value out of same game parlays and things like that. And so, I mean, should, I, I think yeah. there is a, and I think that we're, I hope we're going to see companies like Underdog and um, others like innovating in terms of what they're going to offer. Um, that are that are coming into the industry, so that that'll be that'll be good. But the other thing I wanted to say is, you say fifteen to twenty percent hold products, but um, if you're talking about parlays, I think a lot of that is, especially more traditional parlays. You know, that's I don't think I think it's a little bit disingenuous. And I guess I'll I'll, I'll go with the Matthew David Al explanation of parlays, which is parlays. You know, if you have a bunch of bets that have a four and a half percent theoretical hold for the book, you know, it what you're doing is you're let's, you know, you're parlaying four of those together. It just becomes like compound interest, right? 1.045 to the fourth power. Like mm -hmm. you, you have a, you're, it's essentially like betting each one and then re if betting the first one, if it wins, you reinvest it all in the second one. If that wins, you reinvest it all in the third one. And then if that wins, you reinvest it all in the fourth one, except these things are actually happening sometimes at the same time, but it's not, it's just leverage. It's not actually it's higher whole, yeah. Right, if you, if you take the total amount risked is going into the next leg of the bet is what you've already accumulated, then it's always a 4.5% hold all the way through. But Rufus, I'm not talking about regular parlays being problematic to users. That ship has sailed. We've moved on to, and it's, and it's not just same game parlays. It's things like Jeff mentioned, not offering the no on a yes, no proposition and padding in 30% more hold into what should be a two-way market that would police itself. I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, there's, and there's all these little tricks that all of them are starting to do because they feel like we need to raise our hold and we're seeing it across the board in all states. And that kind of tells you something. It's like the American ethos of betting, which I've always been, you know, ever since 2018, that's what I've been walking around talking about is that, you know, Americans, if you tell them that you're offering a beatable game, you better let them come in and at least try to beat it. Don't, don't cut them at the knees as soon as they walk in the door. And we're seeing that everyone's getting cut at the knees everywhere. And I'm not talking about limiting players. That's a whole other can of worms. I'm talking about, you know, we're just not giving people the fair shake. And I think it's starting to come back and haunt them. And, you know, in any innovative market, the, the market leader is going to be somebody that innovates faster and, and more creatively. And that's what we're starting to see in the U.S. market. There's a lot of things coming, not just the exchanges, not just sharper books, but the idea that maybe betting sides and totals at minus 110 is not all there is to sports betting. Maybe there's more things to do. Maybe you can take the game and innovate it sometime, some way and 
you know, we've seen that with micro betting, the rise of micro betting and simple bet and bet bar or whatever you want to call that stupid thing. Um, that's that's all uh-huh. going to be a way of innovating the product and making it not so it's, you know, there, there's going to be new ways to bet. And that's exciting. But if we're ruining the customer before we ever get there, well, then, you know, it, it, it's DOA. So we what you, we want is innovative products, but it holds that are sustainable for the players. So they're not burning through all their right. money super quickly. <clears throat> right. And, Ele- the problem is the, in, the innovation is all coming at the cost of the player. I, I mean, like, again, like the 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 in, the incumbents, right, are not incentivized to create better experiences, right? They're incentivized to Jack's point because they have investors at, re, at, at increasing their hold, right? So you have a very like the the two um goals right which a better is trying to lose as little money or lose money as slowly as possible and the sports books are trying to do the opposite it's creating this this a, a bad experience um i don't know if either of you guys listen to simmons's podcast but it's it's i do and and it's entertaining but it's it's interesting because his podcast if i were a sports book and I, they already have i would spend all of my marketing dollars on not only sponsoring him, but also trying to get him more listeners because everything that he explores, i.e. same game parlays, alt lines, alt totals, like taking alt totals and parlaying them is, is it's an incredible journey into how to burn through money as quickly as possible or how to like do the opposite of what you, Jack, I know, and like David out talked about in his book, Whereas how do you get the theoretical hold as small as possible? He's almost creating vehicles for the sports book to make the theoretical hold as large as possible. And ultimately, like, again, he's entertaining. He has a lot more listeners than we ever will have. Um, but the idea that he is a voice educating betters about what to do now, again, it's recreational. They're having fun, but you cannot like, I, I bet if you sat around and listened to his he does these million dollar picks and you listen to his million dollar picks and figured out what the theoretical hold was on any of those. You guys should do that as a marketing thing for unabated is listen to those. I, I know you painfully will have to do it. It's called hate listening. And then you will go through and you will listen to those and you will come up with what the actual theoretical hold is for some of these bets. And you just tweet it out. Like that's a great marketing vehicle for you. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great idea. And you know, one of the things we do do at unabated is talk up synthetic hold. You know, we show on our right. odd screen what the best possible lines are on either side of the market for whatever market you're looking at. And we give you the synthetic hold. And if it's a negative synthetic hold, that means it's a positive for the player. Uh, it all keys off of David Al's book, Logic of Sports Betting. But I think that's starting to educate people. And what I tell them is, look, why do you want to bet into low synthetic holds? It's because the book has a very, very skinny margin to win in. If, you, if, you, if there's a 1% theoretical hold on a market, you can't be that wrong. You know, the market is just too tight and the, you, the book has less chance to win, which gives you more chance to win. You don't have the edge at a 1% theoretical hold, but you at least have a better wager to bet into. And for a lot of people, look, this sports betting is not about winning, winning, winning. They want to win, but I think a lot of them, it's all about recreation and entertainment and Entertainment tax is what I, a lot of people like to call it. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't, I don't think you can turn everybody into a winning sports better. We would like to at Unabated. We feel like we have tools that can greatly 
take you along your journey to being a sharper sports better, but you're the only one that can actually do it. You have to put in the time and the effort and the learning and understand market dynamics to get yourself to that next level. We just have all of these uh, footholds and handholds as you climb the mountain. So, Okay, sorry, Rufus, oh, I, one I more question. Gonna, yeah, well, no, I wanted to respond to something really quick. Like you talked about the innovation, the products, what, and I wanted to take this back to Blackjack um, and, and sort of table games. Every innovative product there hurts the player. Like think about all the bonuses, all the little side things, right? Every mm -hmm. single one war. of those. Yeah, every single innovative <laughs> game Spanish is Blackjack. a worse hold for players. That's basically what happens. And the other yeah. thing is we should get Simmons on the pod, Jeff. If we can, if maybe any of our listeners hasn't, he'll never, he'll never listen. come, he'll never come on the. Podcast. Hey, why not? Like you're, you're. I mean, I know guy, him. He will never. He will never come on. He will never come on. I, yes, I know him personally, and oh. he will never come on our podcast. He will never deign himself to come on the Bet the Process he, podcast. He, he can't handle I, the heat of or the interruptions. <laughs> I think we have a better, better chance of getting Jason Robbins on. Um, okay, so last question, and then we'll go into our seven questions that we're asking all our listeners these days. Crystal ball, Jack, you have one. In 20 years, what does the sports betting landscape look like in terms of like, you know, is DraftKings still around? Is what do the products look like? You know, what what's what what is what do things look like? How we're going right now, 20 years, we're not gonna make no, I just your crystal ball. So crystal ball, right? Yeah. Well, and so I've, this is something I've put out on Twitter a year and a half ago. I said in five years, DraftKings will not be a sports book. And Jason Robbins has kind of hinted around that he agrees with that. I think they bit off more than they can chew with this whole sports betting. They want to be a casino. They want to be right. an entertainment complex. So, so you think they'll sell off their sports book practice or? Uh, I, their stock would go to the moon if they announced tomorrow, we're no longer a sports book. We still have right. iCasino. We still have all this. We're going to lobby all these other states to get into iCasino. Uh, but they would go to the moon because sports betting has been nothing but a headache for them. Now, I said that all kind of a little bit tongue in cheek because I realized five years and that's a year and a half ago, three and a half years from now, that's a little aggressive. But Jeff, we're overdue for consolidation. Uh, you know about the whole California situation. Look, if Prop 27 would have passed, and of course, voting is still a month away, but it's not going to pass. If Prop 27 would have passed, that would have actually triggered a lot of consolidation because you had to operate in 10 states and pay $100 million to get into California. And it would have been worth it to basically consolidate a bunch of these medium range uh, shops that we have across the nation. We need to have states that are take the approach that sports betting is either going to be an industry or it's going to be a tax revenues base. You know, we have things like New York where they decided sports betting, sports betting is all about tax revenue. And that's how they've created it. Small market, high taxes. But we have other states that have said, you know what? Sports betting is an industry we can grow. There's going to be jobs here. They have to have their servers here. They have to have their customer support here. We're going to make it so that this is an industry that provides jobs. And if you make it with a low barrier to entry and reward innovation, you can turn it into a very much viable industry. And then, yeah, go ahead, layer the iCasino on top of it so that they can get their margins up over time. Uh, but you know, in the end, sports betting has always been just a gateway that is going to enable these operators to offer the iCasino product that's a much more sustainable product for them in terms of margins and less manpower needed to run a, an iCasino than there is to run a sports book. 
it just makes sense that a lot of these operators, as soon as they can get that iCasino license up and running, they'll bail out of the sports betting. Got it. Okay. Ready for our, you know, like some people call them like the hot five. These are not quite so dynamic, but we're going to go through them quickly. Um, seven questions for, have you heard of these before yet? Uh, seven yes. questions for the guest. So the first one is funnier Rufus or Jeff. Unintentionally Rufus. I think that's Damn fair. It. Smarter Rufus or Jeff. Rufus. Sorry. That's all right. You do work with the guy. So I, I hope he's going to get the answer. I mean, I picked Jeff personally, but least relatable food that you like. Hmm. Least relatable, I would say Sour Patch Kids. I, I have a weakness for Sour Patch Kids. I can't put them down once I start eating them. I know it's junk food, but that's what makes it unrelatable. Wait, that's totally relatable. Yeah, I think a lot of people like yeah. Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. Okay. Relatable just, is like when Rufus talked about how when he curls up for a football game, he eats smoked mussels out of a can. He did a live stream with me back in 2020 from Maine eating mussels. Yeah. There was, there was, it was, oh, it, was most, it was the whitest moment. In he's he's always, he's always on brand. Uh, favorite gambling moment of your life. There were a few times when I was playing parlay cards down in Delaware, where I had basically a hundred thousand dollars sweat coming down to one last game. And there was no way to hedge realistically because it was all parlay betting and there wasn't i didn't have outs that could help me get down a big enough number and uh so there was there's been a couple hundred thousand dollar sweats that i've had uh and i think i'm about one and two in both of those so it wasn't the best but they, they've been and they're always a sunday night or a monday night game yeah favorite bet you are making in the next year i'm betting on unabated i'm betting on myself uh i have done Actually, 2022 is the least I've, I've bet in any time that I've been a professional gambler, whether it be in casino or on sports books, because I'm, I've just been unabatedly unabated. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's turned into a wager on myself and on our company. And uh, I like our prospects. Worst loss you've ever had? The, bad, the worst beat I ever had was I found a mistake at Bodog. They were Bodog back then, now Bovada. Uh, it was, it was supposed to be Jim Tomey over two hits in the game and they had hung Jim Tomey over two home runs in the game. So he'd have to hit three home runs in order for this bet to lose. Uh, Jim Tomey in his entire career, only twice did he hit three home runs in a game. One of them was the night that I bet under two oh home runs. Oh my God. That, that is, that is, is amazing. Bad beat. That is, well, do you remember what the price was on it for the no? Uh, I would think it was positive money. I think it was, I think it was positive money. Yeah. And after he hit the first one, I go, ah, all right, well, I'm still good. After he hit the second one, I go, oh, I'm going to push this bet. Really? And then he come and came up in like the seventh and hit the third home run. You can look, you can find the date because he only did it twice in his career. So you can find when that was, he was with the Indians still. Last question person you'd follow blindly. In other words, we, yeah, uh, okay, I'll answer this quickly. Um, ah, that's, a, that's actually tougher than I, because I, 
I, I know people that you don't know or that we don't know that would be people that I would follow blindly. But you can't um, say their names, though. Well, yeah, exactly. I don't want to draw attention to it, but um, give them an alias. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know a female gambler that I think is probably the sharpest person that doesn't realize how sharp they are. And they don't necessarily just do sports betting. They do a lot of different things. And I think they're just sharp in how they approach their, their life. And uh, I, 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 would, I would probably follow her blindly. And it's not because there's anything more than just professional respect. Um, so yeah, maybe people can probably fill in those blanks easy enough. All right. Jack, thanks for joining us. Um, this was an enlightening conversation. Um, and hopefully we'll have you again soon. And good luck with Unabated. Thank you. Thank you. So that was our interview with Captain Jack Andrews. Uh, very good interview, I feel like. He's a visionary for what sports betting is going to look like and has been a huge advocate for um, the better. Um, and so it's exciting. It'll be exciting to see, Rufus, what what you guys come up with. Uh, I asked for a bunch of questions, uh, stat on Twitter, and I got one that I think will be good for you to, to say because it's deeply personal to you. Did Rufus Peabody practice any other religion before Buddhism? And if so, why did he convert? Did I? So, okay. I grew up in a, a Christian household, Episcopalian, and I actually was an acolyte. Have you heard of that, Jeff? In high school? Uh, yeah, sure. It's, it's like, like, a, like, like an altar boy. It's like an altar boy, but without the sexual abuse. Um, okay. I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, and then I... The but entire I Catholic church, church in a now. Long time. Great, great. Awesome. Um. No, I mean, the Catholic Church is too easy to target, but I, big, I, I didn't have, but basically, no. I mean, when I went to church as a kid, I just was thinking about the Redskins game that was coming up in the afternoon, you know? So um, I think Buddhism, and I wouldn't say I'm religious. I would say I believe more in the philosophy of it. And, and I like, and I, but I do like the rituals and stuff. So, so the answer is not as an adult now. Got good it. question. So you're not the, the answer is that you're not you're not even really converted. You're just you're just sort of practicing some of the philosophies. I mean, I don't the thing is I don't know if I will be reincarnated or not, and nobody knows. And I don't right. I, I think people that say that there's no God for sure are wrong because or that religion is, you know, there's no chance of yeah, because I, I think about this, like dogs can hear things we can't or and birds can see things we can't. And if we think that like our brains are capable of understanding everything, that's pretty, I think that is having a little, I, I think that's pretty arrogant. And so if I were, if I were dyslexic, would I say that Rufus is a God's name? Ooh, that's what I did one. there. That's, that's, yeah, a, that's good a good one. one. That but was my, an intentionally point, Jeff, bad joke. I know, I know. My point is just because we can't conceive of something doesn't mean that it it can't be. Just our like cuz our brains do are not they don't know every there's got there's probably something there are brains out there that understand more than ours. Or <laughs> you know, or what I'm saying is our brains aren't capable. There's a lot that we're not capable of understanding. So that's my belief. There you go. Like no belief. There you go. Uh okay. Um, pick of the week. 
Well, let's recap. No, we need to recap last week's. Picks I know. First. I'm 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 teeing up the da, segment. Da, 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 da. You went Jeff. you went two and zero last week in your picks of the week, right? Which were those am, two college games, I'm, Oregon and um, Arizona State. Your Arizona State was like. Did you bet some money line there, maybe? I did not, but they did win. They did win the yeah. game outright as a 14-point underdog. Right. The, the point and is to win the game. And Oregon covered minus 11, I believe. What was the final score there? It was it was or minus 13, 13 I think we decided. Yeah. You're right. Tout. What, what Remember, was the, uh, someone said we were touts because we were hey, giving like... Fully documented, prices. baby. Fully documented. Fully we documented. The, oh, we said minus 13 and not minus 13, minus 110. I mean, I think... Yeah, the I, I had Baltimore... In the college... In, in when you're betting point spreads, unless you say you say otherwise. You had Baltimore. As I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to get you out of here for your dinner with Roxy. I appreciate um, that. I um, had Baltimore minus the three and that one... Um, went down in hellfire as i mentioned in the earlier segment so i am now one and one you are two and one um but offering bonus picks uh what says you this week roof um i want to verify my odds here to make sure that i'm not giving a bad number Stale line exactly but what i say is i'm going to take the north carolina tar heels Minus seven points on the road against the Duke Blue Devils. Minus seven. Wow. By the way, you can get minus seven, minus 105 at Bookmaker, minus seven, minus 103 at Pinnacle, minus seven even money at DraftKings. So the I other JMAC will prices. be really into I that. Set a lot of prices. Minus seven, minus 105 on Chris right now. It is. Yeah. That's as I said, you know, until I bet it. Oh, it's minus happens. seven, minus 106 now, Jeff. Look at all that respect you're getting. I know. So <laughs> that, much that's, respect. Jeff is a man that moves the markets. Literally on the podcast. Minus one of five. Um, how, mu- how much did you bet Jeff to move it to minus one of six? Ooh, now, I'm I'm not, now it's minus one ten. I'm not telling. Look not at this, telling. Jeff. You're you're front running our listeners. Our seven listeners. Our are listeners are not listening, Rufus. You remember you know this is recorded, right? Yes. So they're not actually listening. But yet. you are front I, I running it. This you're front running it though, because you're because it's bef- you're betting it before we release, and so now, you, now you have, I am going to be giving them a stay line when they listen because you moved the market after I gave you the bet. Just because that's I went cl- classic, and classic, classic, touty behavior. Just Come because on. I'm three and zero, Jeff, doesn't mean that I'm going to win every bet. Well, when you asked me the question, who I would follow blindly, I would follow most of your picks blindly. And part of it is relative to what else I'm doing these days with betting. So it's like, I don't have like, it, I, I, although if we had a second half one way and you had a second half the other way, I would still bet our way. Um, College football? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably would too. <laughs> what, what, what do you, how do you feel about Carolina plus the 10 and a half against the Rams? That seems like a lot of points for a Rams team that it just does not seem particularly good or healthy. I still haven't run NFL Massey Peabody yet because I've been, like I was at the conference all day today and I was at conference related things um, and unabated related things all yesterday evening after the game. So I, I can't give you an answer on that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it, that. It feels like a lot. It feels like PJ Walker is going to be starting. Right. And they got a new coach and all that kind of stuff. And, but they're they're, You know, I, I think all of that stuff should fall in their favor, to be honest. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it was about time for them to get rid of Matt Rule. What's going to be interesting to me is whether they, whether they go with the more analyticsy coach and GM in this offseason because the owner of the team is a former hedge fund guy, and so you'd think that he'd be more of a sort of quantitative, process-oriented thinker. But it's it's interesting though, you know, because you just 
this whole fourth down thing, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to it, but just the amount of mainstream media attention these fourth down and two point conversion decisions are getting in a negative way. And it's, it's like a run against analytics again. It's insane to me because it just shows this like real lack of understanding about what analytics is. And, you know, the fact that people are starting to make less conventional decisions, fewer conventional, fewer conventional, fewer, fewer conventional decisions. Um, It's that's the issue. What's that? Actually, that's actually correct too. They make no. It is. It's the correct. Sentence. The correct one would be fewer conventional decisions, yeah. right? Yeah, but, but you it, could say they're making decisions that are less conventional. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. They're both, correct. and that's that's what I, I was know. saying. That's what. Yeah. Uh, no, I was actually saying fewer. Con- I thought. I, don't know what I thought I was you. Saying. Okay. <laughs> I I get what you're. Here's my thing with the fourth down stuff, though. It's it's like occasionally, if a team makes a really egregious error, then it's a big deal. But some of these are very, very small in terms of win probability. Yeah, they're on and, the margin. Here's the thing. It's the one thing we can directly observe. We can't directly observe the other way that coaches have have an impact in terms of, I mean, well, we can observe it in terms of how the teams play. And, you know, the, I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I remember talking to um, our friend Herm Edwards in the green room at ESPN. And this was after, do you remember the year that you, of course you remember, cause you're a Patriots fan that Tom Brady was suspended because he uh, deflated footballs. Allegedly. Allegedly. Hey, I'm saying that for your, your, your benefit here. Although allegedly. Think, allegedly. I, I think, yeah. Anyways, so he allegedly. was, they, they played uh, the Houston, um, not Astros, the Houston Texans with Jacoby Brissett is the starter, I believe mm-hmm. in Houston. I think they won something like 26 to nothing. And Herm Edwards was talking to me for 10 minutes um, in the green room about how the route concepts that Bill O'Brien's offense were running just did not work at all against the type of defense the Patriots were playing. And it was just, it gave them absolutely no chance. And I was like, man, this, this is, I, I was just trying to soak up that knowledge. It was, there was a lot of it, but, but that's the kind of thing, like it might look like it was the quarterback's fault or something like that, but it was just a really bad game plan. But we don't, is we don't get to, most fans aren't be able to like, I'm not able to analyze that myself. Right. And so I, I just think that the fourth down thing is just, it's the one thing we can observe. So I think the analytics community tends to put too much weight on it. Like, yeah. I so would, the, I, I just, would still want Andy Reed to be my coach, even if I know he's going to make some suboptimal decisions and well, he's a genius on offense, right? I mean, the shit they do on offense is genius. Exactly. Okay. So, Here's the one that I was tilted on, and maybe I would just love to hear your point of view. Fourth and five at the Cincy seven, Baltimore has the ball with 9.48 left, and um, the score is 13 to 10 at that point. Wait, I thought they had fourth and inches, and then there was a delay of game penalty or a five-yard penalty delay of game or something. So it was actually a fourth and inches. Oh yeah, fourth and one. You're you're right. Fourth and one, and then delay a game. So oh my god, it was worse than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I maybe David, just blocked that up in my mind. I think our friend Matt Davidow said it, it was a 6%. They gave up 6% win equity, and I think Ben Baldwin's calculator had it as 1% or 1% or 2%. So A lot of percent. It's something. It's definitely something. So that's not just on the margin, right? I, I, wanna, I actually want to ask you one question on that or, or maybe just bring up a point. And one point is, let's say you have a, a decision that's fairly marginal. 
I mean, in in two percent win probability is is not huge. I mean, it's it's like line shopping for in sports. It's like taking. I mean, it's big, but it's like taking um, minus one oh nine or minus one oh eight instead of even. Well, but how much does that but, probability change when you have hold on Lamar Jackson as your quarterback, right? Yeah, I mean, let, let's let's say, and and that's what David Owl's model is capturing, and that the Ben Baldwin one isn't. It's, but my, I, I do want to make a point here, and the fact that football is an emotional game, and if you, if you know that your team is going to support one thing, and this, I'm not saying this is the case in this particular case. I don't think it is, but but if you know that that one decision is going to be more popular with your players and they're going to respect that more and be more behind it. Um, in a way that should impact your decision-making. If there's a marginal decision and you think that you're going to get more buy-in from the players on the thing that's slightly negative EV, but it's, you think it, the team is going to respond better to it. But, then... but Rufus, but sure. But like, that's a narrative, right? It's because narr- like, but, but we know because going is... forward on fourth down, like they always, what do they always say? Like, Oh, when you go for it on fourth down, then you're showing your defense that you don't have any faith in them and all this kind of, like it's it, both ways. It cuts both ways. Well, I mean, the, the one we should be talking about was the Staley one. He went for yeah. it. Um, it was at his own 45 or something for right. two or three, which he could put the way, put away the game and didn't get it. And, you know, I, I probably would have punted there just with the the fact that it's Brissett running the Browns offense with no timeouts left in a minute to go. And you'd probably yeah. pin them at the 10 yard line. Like I, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, but that's, and, that's and, one and that's I think one that... where they said his, the decision to go for it was like, slightly negative ev according to one of the calculators i saw but not by a lot but yeah i was gonna say that one just sounds like it's on the margin anyways so but that's like to me that's that those aren't the ones that i guess like it would be interesting for the mainstream media to be able to understand the difference between these right and to understand like which ones are a big difference and which ones aren't and even just how to think about these things right because if you think about like Okay, fourth and short, just from a pure strategy standpoint, the right decision is to go for it, right? It's just like card counting. Like you look at, if you look at basic strategy, there are very obvious times to hit and there are very not obvious times to stand. And then there's a bunch of gray areas, like 16 versus a 10 is a, is a gray area, right? You know, I mean, it's surrender it's if you decision, can surrender, yeah. but it's a marginal decision. And so like, if I'm sitting at a blackjack table and someone's like, oh, I did like 12 versus a two or 12 versus a three, that's a pretty marginal decision. And so I, I don't really care about people making the quote unquote wrong decision there. But if I see someone like, you know, doing something like, um, you know, standing on uh, 14 versus a nine or something like that, or 13 versus a nine, that, that really does one. bother me. Yeah. And I just want to say, I, I want to give you an analogy. Let's say I'm like commanding troops. Like I'm the general of an army. That was my grandfather actually, but commanding troops and like trying to decide, do I want to do this tactical retreat or do I want to attack this force or something? And it's a marginal decision, but you know, or, or you know that the troops are going to be, you know, that the troops are going to be like really more motivated for this attack than they would be for, let's say, Sorry, I'm I'm botching this, but but essentially, let's say you could attack two different forces or something like that, right? Like, and one of them is a popular decision, and one is an unpopular decision. You know, if it's a marginal decision, I would go with a thing that is going to fire up my troops because that's ultimately what's going to 
decide narrative. whether you, I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying that you should make the decision that is like, but I'm saying that that is something that maybe we're not, we don't think about and that you have to like decision-making. Like, I think, I think co- your point is a good point, right? And all these you, things. Your, and if you lose, is- if you do something that the, the, the team thinks is dumb, you can, and you can lose the team and lose the respect that has okay, problems so, so later you're, on. You're, so you're, it, you're, it comes down to buy-in is, from the team. It comes in. Yeah. Your, your point is a good point, which is ultimately that this decision-making should be more than about just what's the, what the math says. Right. And I think we'd all agree with that, right? Anyone that's actually been in decisions that they've had to make where it's like, you know, this isn't like blackjack because there's there's people involved, there's things like that. This is nothing is a pure blackjack system, unfortunately. Um, but the reality is what I would love the world to do is understand why some of these decisions that people have made historically are wrong and why they should at least open their mind to thinking differently versus the, the convention, right? So yeah. oh, anyways, all right. You well, get wait, your did, did you give your pick? Did I forget about that? Yeah, it took Carolina okay, plus Carolina 10 plus ten and a half. Yeah. Okay. Thank okay. you guys. Tell Rufus have a good dinner, and we'll talk to you guys all next week. In a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are but the engines running off a of leaded. 